0: Pastor Chris's podcast. The world we live in is breathtaking and complex. The artistic genius of it points to something, someone higher, greater, more wonderful we can even imagine. How did it all come to be? Was it merely an accident? Or does nature's harmony point to a higher power? Come along with me on a journey back to where it all began, Genesis chapter 1. this morning I want to say thank you to Jeremy Barfield. He's been putting together all of these slides and he's uh, done such a great job to cinematically just show the beauty of God's creation and help us to focus as we're going through these different days. And um couldn't have done it without him and thank him for it. And the tech team also, because they've had to uh, do extra work to kind of run us through. It's a lot. It's been a little more complicated than just pushing a button as we've gone through the series. And thank you also to David Crawford, who wrote two original songs through this series uh, to describe the days that we were going through at the time, and and I appreciate his creativity, the talent that God gave him, and his willingness to use it. And if you haven't had a chance yet, uh, when you get a chance, just step out in the hallway and take a look at the beautiful paintings that that Jean Coker painted a few years ago that show artistically the seven days of creation. It's worth taking a look to just sit there and ponder that, the way that she artistically portrayed those events. So I hope that this has been a meaningful series for you. And today we're going to finish up the last series, last message of the series, the seventh day of creation. So we'll read together from Genesis chapter two and verses one through three. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the seventh day, God rested. We live in a hectic world that values productivity. Rise early work hard all day, get off work, and then go to one or two or maybe even three extra activities before you go home and go to bed way too late. Studies show that 60% of Americans don't get enough sleep. Lack of sleep increases the risk of being overweight, heart disease, and breast cancer in women. It also leads to more Car accidents, medical mistakes, yet we have too much living to do to be worrying about sleep. And it's not just a lack of sleep that plagues us. There are also, there's also a lack of resting, a time when we just refrain from working. Studies show that one third of Americans don't take vacation time even when their jobs offer it. Often, this is because they feel pressure not to either pressure from their boss or the pressure that they put on themselves not to take a vacation. <clears throat> I know that as a pastor, I talk with my colleagues and and a lot of, of, of pastors that I talk to will tell me that they hadn't had a vacation in many, many years. I was just talking to a pastor the other day saying they hadn't had a vacation in five years. And it's not necessarily that their church didn't let them. It's just that they, they feel this need, like they can't leave because what if somebody gets sick or whatever? Uh, what if somebody gets, you know, in the hospital or somebody dies and they, and they just can't leave? And, and I will always counsel them and say, look, I'm so glad that my congregation allows me the freedom to take time off. And, um, and I tell my, my colleagues, I say, you have to set a good example for them because we all need to rest. We all need to take a break. So um, I feel like for myself personally, I need that break to, in order to stay fresh. I can't take care of anybody if I'm not taking care of myself. And so I'm thankful that I'm able to do that. But when people don't take a a, a a time to rest it negatively impacts their health and their ability to to be productive and when people do take vacations what we also find is sometimes when they do take a vacation they don't rest during their vacation instead they opt to fill up their vacations with so many activities That they wear themselves out even when they're on vacation. How many of you have gotten home from a vacation and you said, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Because when we have that extra time, it feels like we just, you just have this compelling feeling. I've got to pack as much into that time as I can. In our busy world, the idea that God rested and that he made Resting a holy commandment can seem strange, can seem alien, and yet rest is essential to holy living. God did not design us to be machines that work nonstop. God wants us to take time to be still and know that he is God, as it tells us in Psalm 46.10. When we pause from our labors and our other distractions, we have time to remember who we are and who God is and to enjoy life. When we do not rest, we are less human than God wants us to be. The very first thing God calls holy in the Bible is the Sabbath rest. Did you know that? A weekly day of rest was so essential that it became one of the most important religious laws in the Bible. It was a day that God ordered preachers and teachers and prophets to defend again and again and again for thousands of years. We also see that when God's people did not keep the Sabbath, they often suffered. In Mark Chapter two, verse 27, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, this was a reminder, especially to those legalistic people in his day, that that devotion to the Sabbath was not supposed to outweigh common sense or common decency. But Jesus' words also remind us that the Sabbath is an incredible gift that God has given to us. Something that we need. Jesus observed the Sabbath himself. The Bible tells us that it was his custom to go and worship God in the synagogue each week. And often he found himself escaping away to a lonely place where he could be alone and be in quiet to rest and be spend time with his father. But God created the Sabbath for rest and worship. Work is important, but working too much can be a way for us to cover up and hide from things. People known as workaholics use work to escape the same way that alcoholics and drug addicts use substances to escape from reality. When we rest, we sometimes must confront things that we might rather have left uncovered. Things that need to be confronted, but maybe things that make us feel uncomfortable. Maybe things that are painful or sad. And we would just rather work and cover it up and, and, and be busy Instead of dealing with those things. So it's important that we rest and deal with these things. And it's important that we worship too. Worship is the adoration of God. It is when we pause to recognize the wonder of God and his goodness. And express our gratitude to him. Proper worship humbles us. Reminding us of our proper place in creation. It also opens us up to the voice of God who reveals where we need to change and grow. At the same time, worship lifts us up as we recognize that we are unconditionally loved by an incredible God. We were designed by God to worship. It is such an integral part of our DNA that we cannot avoid worship. Every society that has existed since the world began has had some notion of God or a higher power beyond humanity. And every society since the the world began has sought to worship the divine in some way or another. This fact testifies to both the reality of God's existence and the innate desire within humanity to worship God. How else would so many different people from so many different backgrounds who never spoke to each other share a common idea? Some people, especially in our modern times, when when we value science and we value rationality and reason, some people have chosen not to worship a divine God. And yet we see that even these people worship some kind of God. Perhaps they worship people that they admire, or they worship things that they can acquire. They may worship an ideology. They may Even worship themselves. But people cannot avoid worshiping something. Because of the way God made us, we must worship. Just like we must breathe. We cannot avoid it. So the question is not, will you worship? The question is, who or what will you worship? Will you worship the divine God who is Lord of all, or will you worship something that is less? Jesus came to help us worship the one true God. He shows us what God is really like. Before Christ, humanity was limited in their understanding of God. We only knew about God from reading religious scriptures or from stories that had been passed down, told by others. God recognized that because of sin, we were no longer able to recognize His voice in its fullness. And we were not able to worship Him in His fullness. And so God decided to come to the earth To live among us. God was born as the baby Jesus. He grew up under the supervision of an earthly mother and father. He learned how to live. He suffered the same kinds of temptations and disappointments that we face. And he was obedient to the very law that he created. Ultimately, Jesus died on the cross to atone for our sins... Sins that keep us from knowing and worshiping God in truth. And so now through Jesus Christ, we can turn away from our sins of error and sins of willful disobedience, and we can come and worship God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you Rest. Are you weary from carrying heavy burdens? Are you working yourself to death trying to do too much? Are you weighed down with the burdens of grief, guilt, worry, stress, loneliness, disappointment, shame, or anxiety? The grace of God through Jesus Christ calls you, come and I will give you rest. You see, we have to stop letting people's expectations of us drive us to try to to fulfill their expectations. We even have to let go of our own expectations for ourselves sometimes and say, those don't matter. What really matters is what Jesus Christ expects. And what is it that he says? He says, come to me. You who are weary, and I will give you rest. And if you read that verse, he says, The burden of the yoke I give you is light. There are expectations that Christ has for you, but they are so much lighter than the expectations that the world puts on you. And they're so much lighter than the expectations we put on ourselves often too. Part of his expectations This is the the wonderful gift, the wonderful grace of God. Part of the expectations that Jesus has for you is that you will take some time and rest. Isn't that amazing? That you free yourself from your own expectations. And you free yourselves from trying to fulfill what is oftentimes the unreasonable expectations of the people around you. What a freeing thing indeed. Jesus wants you to come and he will give you rest. He also wants to forgive you, to wash away your sin sickness and to give you a brand new life. He wants you to use your time reasonably. He wants you to work because work is a good thing. It is a blessing. But Jesus also wants you to take time to rest and to worship and to enjoy the amazing life God created in you and in the people around you and to take time to notice the glory of his beautiful creation. So what's stopping you? Today we have the privilege of celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion that reminds us what Christ has done for us, that he laid down his life and shed his blood to make atonement for our sins so that we can come back to God and have a holistic, wholesome relationship with our creator, that there should be nothing that stands between us and the love of God and that we no longer have to burden ourselves by an impossible task of trying to fulfill everyone else's expectations and not even trying to fulfill our own self-imposed expectations. All we have to do is live for God. What an amazing gift he's given us. So this sacrament reminds us of that grace and it also reminds us that Jesus Christ is right here with us now. And he's going to help us. So on the night that Jesus was arrested, he shared one last meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he took the bread. He asked the Lord to bless it. Then he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body that is given for you. And likewise, after the meal, he took the cup. He raised it to heaven He asked the Lord to bless it and he gave it to his disciples and said take and drink from this all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins as often as you drink it do so in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only Son That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We recognize the gift that he has given us in his death on the cross. And the power of the resurrection that promises that we too will be resurrected to new life. We recognize that he is here with us now. Alive. And filling us with the power to live for him. And so we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and on this wine, and on us gathered here, that the bread might be the body of Christ and the wine might be his blood, and that we might be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.